0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership. That unlocks all of our great web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's two bets up to two grand, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. I'm Jay Zawoski, got Greg Boyson to my left, and to my other left... (laughs) Blackhawks analyst Colby Cohen has joined us in studio. Colby, thanks for coming by, man. It's good to see you.
2: It's good to be here. I've heard a lot about this place. It's been a lot of buzz about you guys, and uh, it's cool to come check out the digs. I was just complimenting you guys on the aesthetic before we got going. So not a terrible place to spend a couple hours. No, it is a cool place
1: (laughs) for sure.
0: Fun thing about this view, I noticed like literally... Three weeks ago the NHL network all of a sudden now has a set where everybody's <laughs> kind of just sitting in comfy yeah. chairs or the brick behind and I was like, hmm, mm. that looks familiar. Stealing our bit. Well yeah. they've been
2: they've been experimenting for sure. And what's interesting is like sometimes the guys will be like one guy will be like super casual and dress like you know, like Scotty Hartnell will come in like super casual and then EJ will be like trying to be casual, but like he's too old school and he's still got like one <laughs> open shirt right? <laughs> with like the gold buttons on it, and yeah. you're like you should probably do the suit thing. It's just the casual thing's probably never going to work for you. Yeah. The day
0: yeah. I walk in here and people are in ties, I'm going to be worried that I'm yeah. in the wrong office. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> I wouldn't do well. I've been able to avoid atmosphere. that throughout my career.
1: Fortunately, I'm, I'm not a suit guy because I have no neck and not having a neck is not a good feature with a suit. <laughs> Speaking of broadcast experimenting, it's a good place for us to lead off with you. Um, it's been an interesting year in your seat and in Chris's seat and, and Kaylee's seat. With you guys sort of rotating all sorts of roles and everything um i think hawks fans are are getting to know you and chris and kaylee a little bit more what's the what was it like this year kind of with the rotating roles of sometimes you're between the bench sometimes you're on radio sometimes tv what was it like for you to kind of navigate that as the season went on
2: yeah i mean i think um when you're learning a new team you're learning a new organization you know obviously Building chemistry with people is really helpful um, and really useful. And I think that was probably uh, one of the challenges this year was kind of never really doing the same thing three games in a row or something like that. But, you know, for me, I think that I've kind of prided myself in being able to kind of fill in and do whatever I need to do. Um, And, you know, I've done a lot of studio work for the Flyers for a couple of years, I've done a lot of game between the bench work for ESPN for the last couple of years doing all the college stuff. So um, you know, radio, this is actually the first year that I'm not doing playoff hockey on the radio. Uh, Usually I do it for Westwood One. They don't actually have the rights anymore. It's a totally different group. I don't even know what it's called. Um, So this is the first year. Normally I'd be Kind of bouncing around doing doing radio games in the playoffs, which is a lot of fun because I get to work with you know Kenny Albert and Sam Rosen and um, you know Dave just like all these kind of legendary play by play guys. I mean Sam Rosen has obviously been been around forever, so uh, I I like you know feel fortunate I think that I get to do so many different things um, you know and get to move around the broadcasts uh, as much as I have, but it definitely makes things a little bit challenging at times for sure too because. You know, you kind of get used to people's cadence, the way that they talk, and you get used to when they come in and out of things, and that kind of helps you improve the show and build on chemistry on the broadcast, which ultimately is what we're looking to do and give the fans at home a good listen and, and, you know, something that they can, um, you know, cling on to while they're watching the games.
0: You mentioned chemistry, and it it seemed that you and and Chris Foster, who we had here a couple weeks ago, you guys have formed real good chemistry real quick. When you guys are together in the booth, you could tell you guys play well off each other. How did, how did that come about? Did you guys know each other beforehand or was just, you guys clicked right away? You know what?
2: I think we definitely clicked right away. I think Chris is, um, you know, a really smart intellectual guy and, you know, just getting to know him on the road. I mean, it's really no different than when a coach talks about going on a road trip to bond and spend time with people. And so, you know, we, we did some road trips uh, early on. They weren't super long road trips, but we got out on the road together. And when you're on the road, you know, you're eating three meals a day together. You know, you're preparing together, your pregame skates together. So it kind of gives you the opportunity to really get to know somebody, not just in the booth. And, you know, I think what's what's great with Chris is, you know, he just doesn't take himself too seriously. And I think a lot of the the gentlemen, you know, or or a lot of the people that work in those roles, you know, they're they're very serious, um, and you know, I think Chris just has this light way about himself that sort of made it easy for him and I to kind of rag on each other and have a good time together, and and really try not to. Be anything more than entertaining. I think that's like a big key and something him and I are always talking about. Like, we have to try to be entertaining. Yes, we have a job to do. We have to talk about the game. We have to make sure that we're pointing things out that people may have missed, may not have seen. But we also have to be entertaining. We also want to connect with people. We also want to be available to people. And so, you know, our chemistry and our relationship just really kind of built off the ice and I say off the ice like I'm still playing but you guys get (laughs) you guys get what I mean so and and really uh he him and I have become good friends I mean we've been spending a lot of time together since the playoffs started uh watching games and and he's such a student of the game I mean he wants to learn and understand why things are and happen the way they do in the NHL so he's been he's come over, we've watched four and five games, you know, in a night and you're just talking about the games last night. Even we were texting about, um, you know, what's going on in the LA uh, um, Edmonton Edmonton series, you know, why, you know, just different things. And I'm always really impressed with how he is able to pick things up pretty quickly and then sort of apply that to his questions. Um, So, You know, just an easy guy to be friends with. You guys met him and you saw who he is. I think that's the cool thing. What you get on the air with Chris is who Chris is off the air. There's no, a lot of guys are different on the air than they are off the air or their personality changes. And that's just not who he is. You just, he is what you get. And so it's really been easy to form that bond and relationship with him.
1: Yeah, The the chemistry and, and also like, you know, you talk about being entertaining and that's always a big challenge because... There's a certain group of people that just want to hear the action call. There's another group of people that's like, hey, it's 6-1 one one way or the other. I don't need every detail of the play. Like, finding that fine line is great. And I I always think back to when I think of great moments I remember in broadcasting, be it from a game or a sports radio show or whatever, very rarely is it about the game itself or the analysis itself. It's about those funny moments that happen between the people who are talking that maybe have nothing to do with the game itself. Like we heard so many times when Pat Foley retired, the Dale Talon, the weenie comment he made. That has lived for 25 years. People will always laugh and joke about that. And that I think that is, for those that don't work in broadcasting like we do, establishing chemistry is sometimes the hardest thing to do. And it seems like right away, not just the two of you, but just the games that we've covered – You have seen the chemistry with Kaylee and Chris and you and Joe Brand and the young people who are now the faces of the Blackhawks broadcast have really seemed to hit it off and and they get along well, which is that bodes great for the audience as this chemistry grows.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned Joe Brand, another guy, like salt of the earth type of guy. I mean, and I think the Blackhawks have put a major focus on finding good people and finding people who want to be part of a team because let's face it, Uh, it's going to be uphill in a lot of ways right now. I think we all know that. And so finding those key pillars of people who are going to ride and who are going to, Um, you know, remain optimistic and who are going to understand that, like, we're all a small part of something bigger. We aren't, you know, you don't turn on a game to watch the broadcaster. You turn on a game to watch the game. And the broadcaster's job is to entertain you and talk you through it. But you are a small part of a way bigger thing and a way bigger uh, event. And, you know, for people who don't Think that who work in my field well they're wrong because Mm. the game is the is the show the players the game the on ice product and so our job is to supplement as best as we can and finding people that are willing to see that willing to do that people who are willing to check their egos at the door and be part of something you know guys filling in girls guys whomever Kaylee's here one day there the next uh Joe Brand's jumping in to to do stuff for the scoreboard and the in arena while hosting our radio shows and doing a great job and then one day he gets a call and he's he's doing a a baseball game for the White Sox you know so a lot of it is just about finding the right people who want to be part of a team and who are willing to you know really just um understand sort of where they fall in the bigger picture
0: we got a Interesting question here in our chat. You were talking
2: about... Uh, oh, no, there's chat. There's, there's chat. notes. Oy. Uh, it's, it's all live, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, this we, should be fun. We didn't tell you this ahead of time because we didn't want to scare you off. No, but we, you
0: talked about watching a lot of the playoffs with Chris. Of course, we're all tuning in. No Blackhawks, so we got to figure out who to cheer for. So who are you rooting for here? I mean, I know you're you got Philly roots, but you got Boston connection. Yeah, are but, you allowed to root for the Bruins as so a Philly guy? So he, here's the thing, <laughs>
2: people. People, I did grow up a Flyers fan, like any other kid where I'm from. I. Had a very close connection to the Flyers as a kid. Um, My mom was very close with the Snyder family. They grew up on the same street. My mom and Craig Snyder were high school and college sweethearts. My mom was drinking from the cup in the 70s in the locker room when they won because her and Craig Snyder, you know, were a night, you know, they were dating. They were together. They were engaged to be married. They didn't get married. She married my father instead. It's a whole another story. I'm like, mom, what were you thinking? But uh, <laughs> my my road to the NHL would have been a lot easier. Yeah, Could have right been. So, but so I did grow up a Flyers fan. But you know what happens? You kind of grow apart as you start to get closer to being a professional. And when I got drafted, and you know that changed, like part of that childhood fandom sort of dies within you when they skip you or they don't draft you or you go to another team and that's where you pledge your allegiance to and so um you know I'm watching the playoffs right now and for me it's a lot more individual rather than a team like I I certainly root uh to see certain individuals do well guys that I'm tight with guys that I've either watched you know, I, I think back to when Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick came on their visits to BU when I was playing at BU and we were the ones taking them out and about in Boston to show them a good time. You know, and, and those are those were young kids at the time and, and they were NTDP kids coming in the same sort of pathway that I did. So I root for those guys to do well. And, you know, I look at Colorado. There's a lot of great people there. I, I have a good bond with Joe Sackick from when I played there. And, you know, I root for him and I want to see his team do well. I played with Adam Foote. So when I look at Cal Foote on the ice, it's hard for me to not be a human being and root for his son to do well. And so... Uh, A lot of the, you know, my, I would say whatever horse I would have in the race of the playoffs has to, you know, do more with, um, you know, personal, you know, I root for Claude Giroux. He's a good guy. I was with him in Philadelphia uh, working. We were friends off the ice. You know, we, we skated and trained together in summer times. I'd like to see a guy like him succeed because he's a good person and I would like to see him have an opportunity to win. So I'm rooting for good games and I'm rooting for guys who I'm friendly with mostly and rather than if one team wins or the other that I don't really care about. No, I
0: I get that as I've spent more time behind the curtain, your fandom goes away a little bit because you realize that every organization has good people people easier to cheer for totally and uh, yeah i get that i'm rooting for good games and it's amazing how much more enjoyable those overtime games are when you don't have a team you're cheering for. i mean it's you don't so have much easier yeah <laughs> it's, it's,
2: it really it, it matters and you know you guys obviously have a a more you know inside look behind the curtain you guys get to know players you guys are talking to players and so it gives you the opportunity to see the human side of it I brought this up on our one of our last broadcasts of the year when I talked about how much that I personally root for Dylan Strom to do well because I've just seen what he's gone through this year as a person what he's battled through then he loses his dog at the end of the year which was a very close personal thing for me as well and You know, because I'm a huge dog person, huge golden retriever person. And so, like, I'm not afraid to say that on the air because this is a good human. I'm always going to root for a guy to do well who's a good person, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's in Edmonton, whatever. I'm going to root for guys who are good human beings because at the end of the day, these are the best hockey players in the world. They are. There's varying degrees of being the best. There's not a bad player in the NHL. People have gotten really comfortable calling – it happened today in Sheldon Keefe's press conference. Why would you play the worst defenseman on your team? Sheldon Keefe said, who's the worst defenseman on my team? Well, like, that, that's a bold question yeah. to state about a player in the NHL and the NHL playoffs. And so, you know, you, you root for the human side of these things and, and you remember when you guys have the positions that you have, when I have the position that I have, these are humans.
1: Yeah. Well, it leads us nicely into some of the hockey conversation and Dylan Strom has been a guy who's specifically been on our mind as the offseason approaches here. He went through, you know, as you know, the year full of trade rumors and then the firing of Jeremy Cowan, the promotion of Derek King, and then his sort of ascent there. And as you listen to Kyle Davidson speak in the offseason, he hasn't really said yes or no if Dylan's going to be back or not, but when he describes what he's looking for, it doesn't necessarily sound like he's describing Dylan Strome. Um, I think we're on record as saying we would like him back. What do you think the future holds for Stroman, Chicago?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's a a good question, and you know, Kyle, I I haven't really had an opportunity to talk to Kyle um, about some of these things yet. Um, I'm sure at some point I'll run into him at the UC, and and Kyle's a pretty forthcoming guy, and yeah. and he's been, you know, really great for us to work with as far as how honest he is with us. Um, and how much he trusts us and kind of brings us in um, and explains why we're doing what we're doing, which I think is very unique. That doesn't normally happen, but look, from a personal standpoint, I love to see Dylan Strome here. He's an awesome guy. I love dealing with him on the professional side. I like him on the personal side. Um, I root for people who over, I mean, you look what he overcame this year. So many guys would have put their tail between their legs and their season would have been over. And for him to, uh, you know, have the, character to be a good guy and go through it and then come on on the other side he's going to be in good shape no matter where he goes i'd love to see him continue to be here contractually they got things they got to work out you know obviously being a restricted free agent you know kyle's got management you know assets to manage right he's got contracts he needs to look at so you know i'm sure there's a bigger picture strategy uh, that, that Kyle has in mind when it comes to some of these RFAs and where they might fit, you know, maybe he lets some guys test the open market and then he brings them back. It, it, it's really going to depend. I'd love to see him back here. Just like you guys. There's a reason he got nominated for yeah. the award that he did. He's, I, I mean, I did a one-on-one podcast with him this year. And uh, for me, it was the best podcast that I, I, I was a part of for the Blackhawks this year. He's just a smart guy who is willing to have a conversation and talk about other things and show you the more human side of it. So easy guy for me to root for and want to see have success.
1: So do you think, I mean, I know you don't, maybe you're not like bros with him or whatever, but do you get the impression he wants to be Absolutely. Here? Yeah. Cause, Absolutely. It, Cause again, like going through trade rumors and everything. And I wonder how much you credit Derek King uh, jumping in and sort of, I wouldn't say taking him under his wing, but definitely showing some attention. And, and I think, being specific with Dylan about what he needed to change to stay in the lineup every night.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think Derek did an unbelievable job the way he managed that situation. And, you know, look, there's, it's funny because Derek has this personality of this, like, you know, happy go lucky guy. And he is. Um, But the one thing that I just appreciate about him is he just, he will, he will take every bullet for his players, you know, every day. And, I think there were times this year where he was probably harder on guys than we all were, were able to see. You know, I get to be between the benches during games, so I get to see things real in real time and live. And, you know, Derek holds people accountable like any other head coach does. He will also always protect his players. That is his style. He was a player. He remembers what it's like to be a player. Not every coach, not every GM, I I, I don't think, can say the same thing. So... I give Derek a lot of credit. I think he treated Dylan like an adult. I think they had some hard conversations early on. And I think that he said, work with me and I will work with you. I'm not asking you to do things I haven't done. I have also been in these situations as a player. There's a relatability there. And I, I, give, I give them both an equal amount of credit for what they were able to pull out and salvage and, uh, and then some. You know, you can't just say he salvaged his season. He had a really good season. Yeah. You know, all things considered, we didn't score a lot of points, a lot of goals this year. He figured in on a lot of them, you know? So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those situations where two guys that were being straight with each other, you know, and not BSing each other were able to get the best out of one another and, you know, find a way to make something positive that, as you guys know, was not positive.
0: Yeah, right. no, definitely, you know, Dylan was a consummate professional the whole year. He could have easily put on a pouty face and gone to one of us and <laughs> said, hey, I want to get the hell uh, out of here, and
2: never did, never griped. It's unbelievable. It, it, I, I It's would, admirable. I put myself I that. in that situation, and I would not have been able to be half the yeah. pro that he was in that situation.
1: Well, like, you know you're one of the best five or six players on a roster, and you can't get in, and you're on the fourth line. It's like, come on. Like, what are we doing here? It's got to be – you're but it's right also
2: about and it's also and again not to you know this is not me defending Jeremy Colleton but you know this is a business where you could see something and I could see something the same four second clip mm-hmm. and we see it yeah. completely different and these coaches have a vision for what they want and they're stubborn a lot of them and like they see certain fits and to them, it's right. And there, there really isn't always a right or wrong answer. That's why players get picked up on waivers and then they go do well on one team. Or that's why you trade a guy and then he scores 25 or 30 goals somewhere else. It's not necessarily always about the best player, but the best fit. And I think that that's something that get, gets overlooked in all of our sport. Yeah. You know, not just here in Chicago. It's, it's who's the right fit for different situations one coach might be the right fit for a situation. That's a hot topic right now. One coach wouldn't be the right fit, even though they may be the best coach, right? So it, it really is so situational dependent. And again, you just gotta give those guys credit for figuring it out.
1: I look at somebody like Anthony Duclair is that example Great who bounced example. around, bounced around, couldn't really then he gets to Florida where he's probably lower on the depth chart than he was in other cities
0: and it just yeah. clicks for him. Say the same thing about a Ryan Hartman in Minnesota. Yeah, oh yeah, him Absolutely. how many
1: teams, teams did it take? Get,
2: yeah. and I know everybody wants to beat up the Hawks right now. We had Ryan Hartman. Sure, nobody but shed like, a tear the day exactly. he Exactly. I nobody mean, did. and he was in Philly when I was in Philly, and people were like, "Who's what?" Yeah, wait. You know, Keith Jones is such a good example, and I remember this from my childhood. He was in Colorado on the fourth line. Yep. He comes to Philadelphia. He plays on a line with Lindros and Leclaire, and he becomes Jonesy and he becomes a guy that people now know and he parlayed it into an incredible broadcasting career because Roger Nielsen I think it was Roger Nielsen was the coach at the time saw him as a fit for that line and and in Colorado you know I think it was um uh, who would have been the coach it, it might have been Mark Crawford it might have been there was a there was a french guy who was there I can't remember his name for a while but when they were really good in, in the late 90s or in the early you know 2000s or whatever. But they they had them on the fourth line and as a healthy scratch. So it's so situa- situationally dependent. So,
1: Hey, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. Make a $50 or more first-time deposit and you'll receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's two grand in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. They're your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with points bet. Want more? You can also boost your live same game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, and boost live with points bet. And remember, online sign up is available now in Illinois. So start to finish from your phone. You can sign up with points bet. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. I want to get back to a little bit of your part of things. I saw you bristle a little bit when we mentioned the chat. Um, we live in a day and age where (laughs) you're expected to be on social media. We're expected to be on social media. It's kind of part of the gig. How do you deal with the real time feedback that you get in game after the game? People just, people are very bold. There really
2: is no feedback. That's the thing is there's, there's very little feedback. Um, first of all, I don't see anything in game. Um, I move early in the year. I would, would, would try to looking game to interact with people. And that was kind of my whole goal when I came here was to interact with everybody and really try to, you know, Hey, if you have a question during the game, I'll answer it if I can. Mm-hmm. But you know, when I start getting death threats, oh um, my God. it just becomes, you know, Hey, look, I'm just not going to look, I'm not going to check. Um, you know, I haven't gone on Twitter since the Florida trip. Um, you know, I just was like, if you want to talk to me about something and you want to ask me a question, like I'll always answer. I'll never look at a question as a stupid question ever because people want to learn and understand. And the reality is, is most people have no idea what's going on behind the scenes of a broadcast. Voices in your ear, people telling you things. I mean, at one point someone was like, it's really annoying that you copy Eddie Olczyk's promos. It's like... <laughs> Well, geez, (laughs) you mean the the ad copy? Exactly. It's (laughs) like, well, that just shows the lack of understanding for what we do, because like somebody hands you a card, you read it and you move on. Pause for the Taco Bell bell. Exactly. Like those are (laughs) things that the marketing department and the sales department come up with. We have nothing to do with that stuff. So the first in the early part of the year, I, I wanted to make a point to make myself available um, I thought that that was really important, being a new person in a market where people don't know who I am. Um, but the minute I started getting the death threats that's, from people, so I was just like, you know what? I mean, like, and, and it, uh, look, I kind of laugh at most of it. You know, I really do. But my wife doesn't think it's funny. Right. You know, and so... Uh, my mom, my wife—I mean, like they—they they see these kinds of things. So I've just stopped going on, um, and I've stopped, you know, interacting with anybody. I—I've I, turned, you know, messaging and stuff like that off because, again, like it's all in good fun at times. Like even being critical or even being sarcastic, like it's funny. Like I, I can laugh at most of it, but the minute you cross the line and and you make a death threat or you know, you, you, you say you want to take a, you know, it's just that then it becomes, all right, look, I'm not going to subject myself to that. So good for you. So there really is no actual feedback. You know, the feedback that I get is from NBC. The feedback that I get is from our, you know, broadcast department at the Blackhawks. The feedback that I get comes sometimes from the top, top of the organization, from our ownership, from our CEO, from our president, even from our GM, You know, and it's not always feedback. It's more collaboration and partnership. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, look, and and when I do the NCAA tournament and I, I have good producers there and I work with good people that have done TV forever, I have friends, I have you know, different people you can lean on and ask for advice and, you know, how can I do this better? And, and, you know, you watch film and, um, you know, so that's where I will get, you know, feedback and, and this and that, because the reality is, is social media is not, there's no feedback on social media.
1: It's toxic as hell. And like, we sort of learned our first weeks, people just don't like change regardless of, regardless of what the change is, if it's for the better, whatever, it's just change and people hate it. And I had people, you were a guest on the old Madhouse podcast, which is what this turned into. And people are like, you're doing the show too often. I can't keep up with it. It's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we're doing five shows a week instead of two. You'd think you'd be happy about that. But you're right. The feedback is almost, mo- is you know, not all negative, but. You're, it's, you're it's right. Okay it's not be, feedback.
2: Critical feedback right. is helpful. Like, hey, I'd appreciate more insight yeah. on the system like versus... The, yeah, That stuff is really actually... Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you really do want to make the people at home... You, you want them to enjoy it. So, like, that type of stuff is great. But it's just so far and few between that you kind of have to have, like, a one-size-fits-all yeah. approach to these kinds yeah. of things. Um, and... and you know it's just you guys are seeing it based on you know what you guys are doing and and again it's it's part of you know, it's the new town hall. I mean, it's like we, we wanna bring people to the town hall and put them on trial on, on the t- in the town hall in the town square. I mean right. it's it's uh
0: it's it's an unfortunate part <laughs> of being in this business. Um there's a very fine line between constructive criticism and busting someone's chops and then just being a flat out Listen, jerk. busting someone's chops is, is sometimes needed, well, welcomed, yeah. I, I mean I've, it's I've, good for any of I, us. I think I got to this chair by busting. Yeah. Of so, chops, so I'm all for it. Yeah. But, it's but when you start getting when when And you start getting personal
2: and you start the personal attacks, that's where it's And and here's the other thing too, is like be informed and understand what you're even criticizing because the amount of people that are talking about not even realizing like, I hope you don't get Pat Foley's job. I mean, that was the most consistent thing that I heard this year was you know, I'm praying you don't get Pat Foley's job. And I'm like, well, Well, your prayers are coming true. I I literally (laughs) couldn't, if I wanted to, be a play-by-play person. And I'm like, well, geez, your lack of, are are you just yelling to yell? Pretty much. You know what I mean? And so (laughs) I would say, you know, like, if you really want to talk to me about something and approach me about something, there's a great way to do it. And it's just to like act like a normal person and Mm. like, Just, just, you know, like, yeah, exactly. You said it
0: earlier about the human element when it comes to players. We're talking about Dylan and There's a human element to, to the people that cover the game too, that people just think it's just a Twitter account I could yell at. Well, there's a human being behind that. And I think that was part of the reason we were excited to get both you and Chris in here, because you guys have been thrown in a tough situation. You mentioned Pat and Edzo, two beloved longtime guys here. And, of course, you're going to get a lot of the knee-jerk reactions. You're here to take their jobs. Well, that's not how this is going at all. No, not you're not these evil guys <laughs> from Castle Grayskull looking to plot and take a, you know, overthrow cool, the regime. So that's why we thought it was important to get you guys here so so the fans could see the human aspect of the people who cover the game as well as playing because that's important too. And, and kind of f- building off of that is, like, you did get to spend a season with Pat Foley, with – Eddie Olchek, I mean, these guys are as good as it gets when it comes to the hockey, covering the sport of hockey. So what, what kind of things were you able to take, just either just watching those guys or having a conversation with those? Because I know those are two guys that love to take the next generation under their wing and kind of say, hey, let's go have a beer and talk, talk shop. So how was it working with those guys?
2: Well, <laughs> um, the, the thing that I think was, was cool for me this year was the games that I got to physically do with Eddie. Um, you know, we've all watched Eddie do this for a long time. Uh, we've all watched Eddie become the best at this for a long yeah. time. And, you know, for me getting to do games with him was, was, was what I kind of was most looking forward to when I came here because it's a challenge and it, it, in the way that it, a player gets challenged when they get put on Patrick Kane's line, you know, because you better bring it and you better have something interesting to say and you better find something so different and minute because he's going to find most things <laughs> so you better find a way to add and you better find a way to see things that he maybe missed but which isn't much you know he's he's great at seeing everything happen in real time and let it run through his brain and and watching how he kind of gets in and out of those things so um you know, look, I can say it was a little bit of a strange year in the fact that, like, Eddie and I weren't really on the road together. Pat and I weren't really on the road together. If you guys noticed, I really didn't work much with Pat this year. Um, you know, when Pat uh, was doing games, it was usually other people in there doing it with him. Uh, we did Flurry's 500th game together, um, you know, which was which was so cool just to to be there for Flower's 500th win, excuse me, not game. Um, but other than that, we we really didn't do games together. So... Um, you know, we didn't really get to spend that kind of time on the road, you know, having beers and doing that kind of stuff. But, you know, Eddie was, was you know, when I first got hired, we we had a couple of really good conversations. You know, I, I know Eddie, you know, go back to when I was probably like 15 because he had a, you know, Eddie, Eddie Jr. is the same age as me um, and played at UMass. I played at BU. Like there was, you know, we were at the U.S. Festival camps together when we were 14 and 15 years old and you know eddie was there watching his son even would coach sometimes the the team that they would take overseas you know the the select team of players that weren't the ntdp guys they would sort of take the next group um and so like eddie was around and so kind of got to know him there and you know it, it was it was definitely like i said like getting to work with him Is really the best lesson for me because it's it's a challenge in a good way because it forces you to be really on top of things and it forces you to be like so mentally dialed in during a game because again he catches almost everything like he could be looking at his telestrator but somehow out of the other corner of his eye he saw a puck get deflected you know he's 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 got a great eye for this uh he's obviously got the coach's brain so he's looking at it probably more as a coach than, a, than as a player. I mean, look, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but but I feel like he very much has that coach's brain on him when you hear him talk about the broadcast, when you hear him. For me, I'm thinking more of it from, like, the player brain um, just because, like, I've never coached or ever wanted to coach or ever, you know, been in those types of roles. So I think just the actually getting to work with them was probably the part that helps the development the most. Um And I think it'll probably be a pretty regular thing next season to be working with Eddie, um, you know, with him being in the booth and and me being down between the glass. So, you know, I, I think that that will be another opportunity for me to continue to get better in that role. But the other thing too, like with his TNT schedule this year, Um, you know, they did all those late night West coast Mm -hmm. games in the beginning of the season. So again, like his travel schedule was kind of clunky because he would have to leave on a Tuesday morning. So we would kind of lose him for a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday. Um, so like we just didn't really get the opportunity to do the, like, you know, and then COVID we weren't even allowed to leave the hotels and stuff like that. So I kind of wish we would have had more opportunity this year to do that kind of stuff. But, you know, luckily like you know, I'll, I'll, next year will probably be different. Hopefully we're not dealing with COVID restrictions. Uh, yeah, seriously. So we'll get to spend more time together, you know, on the road and, and, you know, being able to have those moments where I get to pick his brain or ask him, hey, like, what do you think of this player from like your point of view? Because again, he, he has the coach's brain. And I think that, um, you know, that's a different lens than I can look at things through.
1: What's your favorite role? Is it the between the bench yeah. role? Is that
2: your favorite? It's hands down where yeah. I like to be. I mean, I, I've always liked it. I felt kind of early on, like, this is my favorite spot. Like I'm happy and like the most energy and dialed in when I'm down in that role, you know, even if, even if it was a two person booth, like if, if Eddie's away and I got to, I would still probably next year request if I could be downstairs. Cause it's just, There's just something about the energy of being down there. And I think that it just gives you, it constantly reminds you and gives you an appreciation for just how hard it is on the ice, because in the press box, in the 200 levels, things look slow. There's a lot of room out on the ice. If you guys have ever sat on the glass for a Hawks game or any NHL game, you know, there's no room on the ice, none whatsoever. So it just is a it's it's a it's my favorite thing. I mean I I like it hands down the most.
0: It just goes to show that you you need a competitive edge in the broadcast booth as well as on the ice. And if you want to start your day with a competitive edge, Strava C B D Coffee is a game changer and has helped thousands of people, including two right here improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious fresh roasted specialty coffee infused with organic broad spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you feel high or hungry, but it does offer you plenty of benefits that can help you like feeling alert and focused without the jitters live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains and who the hell doesn't want less of that plus including cbd with your daily routine could even help you enjoy a more restful sleep so you wake up feeling your best and the best part is not only you're getting all those benefits from cbd but you're getting fresh delicious small batch coffee shipped directly straight to your door and chgo listeners can save up to t- off their entire purchase. When you use the code CHGO25 at checkout, that's 25% off your entire order at stravacraftcoffee.com. When you use the CHGO25 code at checkout. And if you already love Strava, and you should by now, you can subscribe and save by joining the Strava Craft Coffee Club. That's where they put you in control. You can order all the flavors you love and have them shipped to your home or office on your schedule. It doesn't get any easier than that. Had Strava on the
1: way down today. Fantastic. It is like I'm having a good show. I give it all to the coffee. And hey, it's Monday on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. That means we're with our buddy Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases, as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases. If someone's negligence has you injured, out of work, whatever, if someone's been harmed in a nursing home, anything like that, a slip and fall case, Kent is your man. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients, and the Simpson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So call now for a free consultation, 312-332-2107. Don't go offsides. Go top shelf. Call now, 312 312- Three three two two one zero seven, or visit sinsonlawgroup.com Law dot com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N. All right, Colby, as we approach the offseason here, well the offseason's underway for the Blackhawks. Um, we're all really thinking about what's next. What's the next thing in this rebuild? What's the team going to look like for the next two, three, five years? And two guys at the top of that list are Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. And, you know, we saw both of them, probably more Taves than Kane is. Uh, show a little frustration with the process of losing night after night and going through a rebuild where do you see their futures with the organization um do you see them back next year and and do you think you could see them you know if kyle and he has flat out said it's not my job to sell them on a rebuild but if he can sort of convince them that hey we would like you to be part of this do you see those two settling into a kind of mentoring role
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, I really do. And I think that that's a really good point. I'm kind of glad you said that is because you're right. It's not Kyle's job to convince them to stay around. I think what Kyle has to do and do really well is, is communicate with them and explain to them clearly what expectations are because you've got two guys that are, you know, living legends in in this city and in the sport. I mean, these are two hall of fame players. They're obviously at different stages of their career they bring different things within the dressing room, and I do think that you know there is a place for winners and guys who have, you know, played hundreds of playoff games and worn letters on their sweaters, and they've played with guys from multiple generations. I think that's a really important thing because I think you need players who touched, you know, that that last generation of players, the guys who, you know, Patrick Sharp's and uh, Seabrook and. Um, Adam Foots and Joe Sackett, like the guys who maybe when Kane and even me, or, you know, we we're all the 2007 draft. And I think Taze would have been the 2006 draft, mm-hmm. I, I believe, right? So when those guys first came into the league, they were at the end of Foot Um, You know, I'm thinking of maybe who it would have been in Philadelphia, you know, uh, guys, you you know, the players, yeah. right? And so it's important to have players on your team during a rebuild who have, touched multiple generations because I think you can take from the older generation a little bit you can take from the younger generation a little bit and you can kind of find what do we need to do now to make this work how do we you know how do we build the right foundation to sustain success here in Chicago so Patrick Kane had what 95 points this year so you score 90 plus points there's a spot for you on any team um I think that uh for him, it's, 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 what do you want? You know, I think he and Johnny both have probably earned the right to be partners in wh- what their futures are. Um, and you know, again, I'm not privy to those conversations. And I know Kyle had some initial conversations with those guys. And, um, I think they're going to have more conversations and there's buzz and chatter about what those conversations have been like. I'm not going to speculate because honestly, at some point I'll just ask. I'll ask Kaner, I'll you know, I'll run into those guys and we'll, we'll have a conversation, but, um, you know, I do think that if you want to build a winning team and you can, you know, get those guys rowing the boat, then yeah, I think you're crazy not to uh, have those guys around, but that's a, that's an if, that's an if they want to be a part of it, and if they're okay with, okay, like, you know, you're never going to try to lose. I know, you know, everybody has it. Oh, well, they're going to tank for the one overall and blah, blah, blah. Like, nobody in their right mind in this sport, it's too blue-collar of a sport, is is tanking. Guys are way too proud. I don't care if you're on the Devils or if you're on the Avalanche. Players are too proud. You know, I know players on the worst team in the league and the best. They're too proud. Nobody is going to go out there and mail it in because they're thinking about the first overall draft pick as right, a player. right. Nobody. I mean it's just too proud of a, of a, of a group of, of athletes. So I think it'll just be really interesting to see like as the summer goes on and as players start to maybe get re-signed or don't get qualified or whatever the case may be, how does that change you know, the way that Kaner and and Taves are looking at this situation. But as far as I'm concerned, if you can have those guys in your dressing room, you know, for the future, whether it's at, you know, a, a less of a, of a hit, a cap hit, whether it's year to year, whatever it may be, I can find a lot more good than bad having those guys around from somebody who's been around players that are, you know, legends of the sport and, and what they can mean. I mean, Adam Foote, in his last year in the NHL, which was my rookie year. And I think about, um, the last trip of preseason, they basically sent most of the players home to the American league and they had like eight defense and 14 or 15 forwards. And it was a team trip to Vegas in Vegas. Um, you know, we played the Dow LA Kings in Vegas. This was before the Vegas Golden Knights at the MGM. They put like a little rink there, makeshift. And then it was three days in Vegas as a team to bond. And I roomed with foot and foot didn't normally have a roommate, but I was 20 or 21. And he was like, it's my, you know, like now I'm going to pay it forward. And, you know, that stuff goes a long way. Like I will forever, carry a flag that says Adam Foote is, is an unreal guy. Forget him on the ice, but he's just a great guy. The way he treats people, the way he treated me, the way he treated the other young players on our team. So, you know, that's there are things that I saw him do, say, treat people, treat other people, treat staff. I, I still carry with me today. So I think that if you can get those guys to buy into what's going on, I, I very much see a place where they are impactful people to have around the organization and they still have another year on their contracts. Right. So we're talking about incredibly hypothetical things right now, you know, and, and I know a lot can change quick. You guys have been in this game, you've seen it, but for now they're Blackhawks. Yep.
0: Yeah. The, the Taves is just one of dozens and dozens of things on Kyle Davidson's plate this summer, as he looks to take the first steps of the rebuild. And, You know i've noticed since he's been here he definitely is confident but he's also willing to learn he knows he's not going to be able to do it himself he's surrounding himself building a very smart team uh he's also not afraid to make unpopular decisions uh you know people didn't love the brandon hagel trade because he's such a beloved player but he said, man, I'm not going to get a return like this ever again. Never. I am pulling the trigger, and I love the move. I hate losing a player like Brendan Hengel, but yeah. when you see you, you struck when the iron was hot, you got him when the value was yeah. never going to be higher. Never. Thought never. it was a great move. So we're learning about his style. I think we'll learn more after the draft, but we're kind of figuring out the kind of player he likes. What, what's the biggest takeaway you've made of Kyle Davis and what we can maybe expect going yeah. forward?
2: So he's incredibly collaborative. Which is really rare and unique, and it's probably more the way of the future in in sports. Um, you can see how collaborative he is. He goes out and he hands two guys associate GM titles that generally, like I don't do teams usually carry associate GMs. No, they don't, you know. And he, in my opinion, did that because he wanted to signify that this is my brain trust and. You know, you look at Norm McIver, who has had so much experience in so many different places, coaching, scouting, managing, playing, old school, new school. I mean, this guy has touched so many different walks of the sport. And then he goes out and hires Jeff Greenberg, who, again, everybody was kind of like, huh? And then you start talking to people and you start learning about what he's gonna do. And you're like, okay, so what Kyle did was he went out and found a guy who was a brilliant sports minded person and said, this guy can make our organization better. I have a plan. Now how that manifests itself, does that change? Does he lean in more here where we didn't think he was gonna lean in less here? So like, I like his collaboration. And from kind of talking to people within the organization and talking directly to Kyle, I think that like that's something that he's going to continue to do. He's not going to sit there and say, I don't care if my whole scouting department thinks it's this. I want that because I've seen him one or two times. Kyle's going to hire good people and then let them do their jobs. And I think that that's kind of a new, you know, I don't want to say it's a new theme in the organization because I was not here under the old you know, regime or, or group, but you know, that's, that's a big Danny and Jamie thing. In my opinion, they want to hire good people and then let them do their jobs and be collaborative. And like, I've had so many conversations with Danny and Jamie throughout the season where they were asking me questions because they were things that were either broadcast related or hockey related. They weren't screaming and yelling. Why this? Why that? It was, let me understand this. Can you explain this to me? And I think Kyle has a lot of that in him. I really do. I think he's, you know, knows what he doesn't know, and I just think that that's so rare for a coach or a GM. And I think Derek King was like that. Derek knew what his strengths were. He knew what his weaknesses were. He was honest and open about that. Like most of the time, these high level guys in hockey know everything. Just ask them; they'll tell you. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I think bringing in this group of individuals that are collaborating together and they're really like working at this stuff together, not. Oh hey Norm, I just traded away Brandon Hagel for two first-round picks. I would be willing to bet those two had a lot of conversations, or who you know, whoever you know, head of player personnel, our scouts who watch Tampa Bay, our pro scouts. Who do we like there? Do we like these players? Like these are conversations that I have a lot of faith and trust that Kyle is having, and I just don't think that that happens in every organization. I think a lot of times you get people at the top that you know are running a little more of a dictatorship and a little less of a democracy or or a republic, whatever, you you know, however you want to refer to it. And so that's what I've noticed most. To answer your question, Greg, is like he's not afraid to, you know, to take advice and have conversations. And And I just think that that's probably going to serve him in the long run. Um, and help him build out a really great team. I mean, the best sports organizations in the world are not just run by one person. They are run by a team of people on the business and the hockey or sports side that know how to work together and really kind of kick ass in all their different departments. And like any sports team, the three of us are on a line and we all have a different strength. We're probably gonna have a good, uh, uh, we'll have a good line right? Because we all can do something a little bit different, you know, but if you're trying to do my job and I'm trying to do your job, we're just running into each other out on the ice and we're just going to end up duplicating, wasting time, wasting energy, and probably at the end of the day, not getting it done.
1: Well, I've been really impressed with Kyle Davidson's uh, seeming long view on this rebuild. Like he's not just thinking a month ahead or a year ahead. He's really looking five years down the road, but some big news in hockey today that could affect that uh, Barry Trotz, fired by the Islanders, one of the most respected coaches in the league.
0: Speaking of dictatorships.
1: <laughs> and we've, of course, all day we've been taking uh, calls from, not, you know, tweets and stuff from people saying, the auction should hire Barry Trotz. What are your thoughts on him? What do you know from dealing with other players? Uh, what What is what is his reputation as a coach that we don't see in the standings, we don't see, you know, on the ice? What What's going on behind the scenes with him as far as you know?
2: Yeah, so... Um, I've dealt with him from a media standpoint cause I've done Islanders playoff games on the radio the last, you know, couple of years. So I've done some interviews with him and talked to him a little bit. He's okay to deal with in that regard. Certainly not Derek King. Um, <laughs> you know, are. exactly. I think Derek is so special in that regard and so generous with his time. And he just treats, you know, he, Derek treats us the way he wants us to treat him. And that's just rare. Um, look I obviously Barry Trotz is a great coach he's a tactician Um, you know he's he's a guy who's known for teaching teams how to play defense tight defense Um, I think he probably overachieved with with his Islanders teams Um, and then the problem though was like this year I think his voice grew tired in the locker room and with guys like Barry if you don't win quickly you lose the room and um, I actually right away texted, you know, and I'm not going to give his name, but I'll describe the player and you guys can can do it all you want. <laughs> One of their very, very talented young defensemen. And he said, because I said to him, like, what happened? And he said, you know, he, his voice lost the room this year. He really did. And when you're not winning and you have a coach that has that type of personality, you do see them lose the room.
1: So you're saying like a like a kind of a grinding, always on message, always serious, always, always and intense. and
2: you're you're just kind of got that running commentary at sometimes of negativity, and that can wear players down. Interesting. And again, when you're winning, nothing matters. Like you do what they say because right. we're winning and it's working. The minute you're not winning, becomes really difficult. And I had coaches like that. Bruce Cassidy is a great example of he's one of the brightest hockey minds I ever played for. He is as good as I've ever been around at watching video, coming up with a game plan, but man, the way he kinda had that running commentary about players when you're on the ice and you come back to the bench and your D partner's like, you should've heard him while you were out there. Like, you know, you better win. And if you don't win and he's won in Boston and he survived, but um, you have to win when you're that type of coach, because if you don't, you know, you do lose, you know, your voice wears players down. Now, look, at the end of the day, he's, he's a successful true, true, you know, proven track record of a coach. Um, do I know or think he's the right fit for here? I don't know him well enough. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have the answer to if he should be the guy. Um, he's obviously an interesting candidate. He's, he's won a cup. Uh, he, he got for a short period of time, Ovechkin to buy in, not for a long period of time, but a (laughs) short period. He got some buy-in from Matt Barzell. You know, is he going to get buy-in from Kaner for the next five years? Do you know what I mean? So you got to kind of look at these different things and wonder how do personalities match? Where are we at? And who's the right fit? Is he going to be maybe the best best coach based on resume available? Probably. But is he the right fit for the Blackhawks right now? I don't know the answer to that. I'm not saying yes, and I'm not saying no, but... You know, I'm sure people are up in arms today. Like we need to hire Barry Trotz today or tomorrow, or this is a total failure. I completely disagree with that because again, it's not about these guys at coach. They're all good. Yeah. You know, they all know different things, right? Some are motivators, some are tacticians, some are X's and O's guys, you know, some are button pushers. Who's going to be the right fit for what we're looking to do here, develop young players Okay. be patient with young players, teach the young players details, know when to pull a young player back. How do you get our older players to buy in and mentor a young player? That's the kind of guy we need here in Chicago. Um, And so, again, I I don't have the answer for you guys, but it's, you know, it's certainly on the top of everybody's mind.
1: That insight is great. I mean, that that's something that you can't look at a statute and you can't look at a record book and say, okay, well, it doesn't show. And if you're talking about truly rebuilding, which is going to take at least three years to get into playoffs and maybe five to be a contender, that message may have worn thin by then. So we've talked a lot about that's why we have sort of stumped for Derek King because maybe he's your A to B, and then when you're ready to win, just like with Dennis Savard, in comes Joel Quenneville at the perfect time, and the dynasty is born, yeah. right? But I think even Q towards the end, that message. 100%. As the, does, as the winning stopped, the message wore thin.
2: I, I had a football analogy, you know, growing up in Philadelphia, being an Eagles fan. You know, Andy Reid left the Eagles and went on to coach another team to success every single year. Yeah. But his message in Philly ran out. And ever since Andy Reid, it's been a carousel of coaches. He was there right. for like 12 or 13 years. And now he's been in Kansas City for 12 or 13 years because he continues to win. The minute Andy Reid doesn't win, his voice will get old. My cousin was a football player. He played for him on the Eagles, played for him and Mike Tomlin. So very different, way different styles, right? Way different. And so look, I'm, I think that like, you guys have a great example here of like how it went with Dennis Savard. And then Joel came in and right away, I think that like, you know, that was a, that was a, that was kind of the perfect scenario. You look at New York, right? I mean, David Quinn did all the hard work and the grunt work for the New York Rangers. And then, you know, the owner has a, has a fit and starts firing everybody after they went 15 games over 500 on a three-year rebuild, which they were able to accelerate because they had the first and second overall pick. They got Panarin in free agency. So like they were able to accelerate their five-year plan to year four, really. And look, I don't know if they're getting out of the first round this year cuz they're still young and they're still mm-hmm. they're not ready for big time y- there yet. They're just not. Kako Kako Kapo Kako, Kako Lafreniere, These guys are finally starting to show what they can do, but it 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 takes time and and David Quinn did all the grunt work. He did all the detail work. He pulled guys in and out of the 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 the, the um you know, the lineup, he had lunches with guys. He did the personal stuff with guys. And then, you know, they went to the next guy. Look, I think with Derek, I think that he would do a phenomenal job with our group. Um, And I think that he would be a a, a great option for us to to have here in Chicago. But I wouldn't be so sure that he's not a guy who can win because he won as a player. And I think the, the cool thing with Derek, and he even told me this at the end of the season, he looks back and there's like, there's plenty of things he would do differently now you know yeah. he would be harder on this guy he changed this this is a guy who's also learned the league who do I need to match? you know he was in the American League that's a that's a different bubble it really is you know mm. so you know I, I think he he it's not to say he's not a coach who can win because he won this year with a severely undermanned team at times I mean like it, we were what one nine and one or something to start the season yeah I mean like so I, I think that you guys make good points there and I think that you guys have been close enough to it to see what a guy like him brings to the table. You know, but ultimately, I think Kyle and his team will, will have a good list of candidates and I think people are going to come in and interview. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with who, who comes in and interviews and who comes in with a plan and how am I going to get the best out of these young players? Because like, you know, rebuilding's the fancy word, but like what goes into the rebuild? Film. Details, mm-hmm. healthy scratching, young players, hard lessons, hard losses, having leads and blowing them, not being ready to play—like these are young themes that you see on teams that you know is probably things we're about to all experience here, being in this market.
1: Colby, it's been awesome, man. We really appreciate you stopping by. I swear, guy, we could probably sit and talk for three or four more hours, but. They need the studio space.
0: <laughs> These hours fly by. Yeah, they do. Every, they every do time fly, fly by. We go on, I can't believe it's been an hour.
1: It's awesome. Uh, so we're gonna wrap up today's show. Want to remind everybody? Tomorrow night we're on at 5:30 p.m. Why? It's very random time. The NHL draft lottery is tomorrow. It Will happen midway through our show. So if oh, the Hawks cool. get the first or second pick, we'll react in real time. They probably won't. <laughs> We'll the we'll tell you where the Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> yeah, will be drafted. Yeah, exactly right. We're also going to talk to James Nichols, who covers the Islanders for the fourth period in the Eye on Isles uh, podcast and blog, just to get a little scouting report on Barry Trotz as well, because we know you're all thinking about that. And look for later today, we're going to publish a piece on allchgo.com, our three opinions on uh, Barry Trotz. So be looking for that as well. want to remind everybody, we are, as always, presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000 from my partner Greg Boyson and for Colby Cohen. I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks to our producer, Kevin, for running the board today. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.